Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Hear now our scripture reading for this morning's sermon. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will. So that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, revelation as you come to know him, So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I don't know if this is exactly proper to say, but I went to a really great funeral this week. I don't know if you can say it was a great funeral, but it was a great funeral. First of all, you need to have the image of five of us on staff piled into my mid-sized sedan driving to South Atlanta to New Calvary Missionary Baptist Church to support Josh, our fellow teammate and friend, in the loss of his uncle. Josh had the hard and holy task of preaching the eulogy to honor his uncle, and he did. We all left with a sense of the unique gift to the world that his uncle was. But then when Josh turned the corner 
and the preaching started moving, he started to preach about heaven. And as you might imagine, when Josh starts preaching about heaven, the veil opens up a little bit. He gave all of us a glimpse of the holy realm. He described with this vivid passion this arena of perfection that we call heaven and golden streets and no more weeping and reunion of the saints. He described it as a place with no tubes and no beeping machines and no interrupting nurses. A place or a condition that the Apostle Paul calls the inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Well, when Josh stopped preaching, the sadness in that room was infused with a hope and a victory, an assurance in the inheritance of the saints. And this group of people wearing black almost skipped back to their cars because they had been reminded that God is at work gathering all of creation into the unity of Christ, the communion of the saints. It was a good funeral. Now, I've mentioned the saints several times, and saints sounds like a strange word for us Protestants, I know. My friend Frank McNamee next door talks about saints all the time and nobody looks at him funny at all. But Baptists in the South don't talk about saints much unless we're checking the standings of the NFC South in the National Football League. By the way, the the reason I said this is the only fall weekend you can cheer for the saints is they actually have a bye week this week, so it's okay. But in the Catholic tradition, Saint is an official designation of the church, and it's a rather high bar for being a saint. Strict guidelines to be a saint. Until 2017, you could only be considered for sainthood if you had been martyred, that is, killed for the faith, if you'd lived a life of historic virtue, or had a strong reputation for religious devotion. 2017, Pope Francis added one more category, those who sacrificed their lives for other. But to live with this kind of virtue was not a high enough bar. You also have to have two miracles ascribed to you to be an official saint. Unless you were a martyr, you can get by with one if you're a martyr. That's a pretty high bar. But the New Testament, including our reading for today, seems to apply the word saint differently. In in fact, the word translated for saint in the New Testament is the most commonly used title in the Bible for Christian. The, The word Christian only shows up three times in the New Testament. But most often, the Christ followers referred to each other as saints, holy ones. We just concluded a Wednesday night series on Philippians, and those of you who were a part of that five weeks will remember that that letter, in that letter, Paul opened the letter by saying, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. And then Paul closes the letter by saying, greet every saint in Jesus Christ. 
So when the New Testament uses saint, it means all the Christians. Not certain Christians, not Christians that just have miracles on their resume. Everybody who is a Christ follower is a saint. That could get some, take some getting used to, I know. I mean, look at the people sitting on the pew with you, right? I'm not so sure I'm comfortable saying St. David Anderson. I mean, I get it. But in the New Testament, all of us are saints. It is a little uncomfortable. Do you remember the um, uh, baseball player played first base for the Philadelphia Phillies named John Cruck? He was a big, lumbering kind of kind of guy. One day, a lady said to him, you don't look like an athlete. He said, lady, I ain't an athlete. I'm a baseball player. (laughs) Most of us are okay claiming to be a Christian, but saint language just kind of makes us squirm a little bit. But Stanley Hauerwas argues that Christians cannot try to become saints Nor, he says, are saints heroes and heroines of the faith. Instead, they are people like us who have been made more than we are by being engrafted into God's kingdom that is ruled by forgiveness and love. And I love the language for it in our passage for today. It's our inheritance It's our inheritance. It's it's like property being passed down. Paul says, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. We've been marked with a seal, like guaranteeing a document, a guarantee that the promised Holy Spirit will come and our inheritance, inheritance toward redemption as God's own people will be realized. I love that image. There are exceptional saints who preceded us and who are among us now. But at the center of the gospel narrative is the power of God's purpose worked out through the lives of ordinary folk. God is glorified in ordinary lives who, to use Paul's words, know what is the hope to which he has called you. earlier in worship when I read the names of our friends who died in the last year. Some of you, if you were like me, heard them with a glimpse of what was special about them, what what God's power in their ordinariness meant in our community. And I'd read a name and some of you would grin and some of you would wince We found ordinary lives on that list who embodied the hope to which they were called. They lived like people who had inherited a spirit of wisdom and revelation, just ordinary people who just happened to be heirs, happened to be people who had inherited. Even the official saints of the Catholic Church were not distant, somber figures like we see depicted in paintings and statues. They were regular folks too. In the 16th century, a young Italian priest, he was 
kind of learning the ropes, making his way in the prayer book and the rites of the priesthood and all that, he went to his respected elder, St. Philip Neri, and said, Father, what prayer is the most appropriate to say for a couple after a wedding mass? St. Philip replied, a prayer for peace. <laughs> See, I think I'd like hanging out with that guy, right? An ordinary guy who happened to have inherited. Today we celebrate the saints, but all the saints, young and old, departed and living, those who are etched in mosaics and memorialized in stained glass, but also those who change diapers, fix bottles, all who respond to the hope to which he has called you. Today we celebrate that God is gathering all of creation into the unity of Christ, the ultimate unity of the church. But God is glorified and the kingdom is moved forward by ordinary people who have been marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. So the theme of an All Saints observance isn't spooky graveyards or skeletons or death or any of that. It's Christ, as we heard in our reading today, seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Which is why on Tuesday, Josh, we saw a group of Christians with their hands in the air because they had been reminded that they were heirs. They were inheritors of the hope, the glorious inheritance of all the saints. The idea of the communion of the saints is one of the most encouraging images at nearly every funeral. Have you noticed? Communion of the saints is the theological term, but this is the way we hear it at funerals. At funerals, we hear people say, well, she's finally reunited with her dear Wayman. Or, he's finally getting to go fishing again with Dave, but this time they'll be fishing in the waters that pour from the throne, right? It's their inheritance. But these are common people. And our comfort happens when we see this wonderful image, this image of the communion of all saints, where we find comfort, where we find a sense of unity across the ages. But there's more than comfort in our passage today. There's inheritance. What are you going to do with your inheritance if God is at work through ordinary people marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, how are you spending your inheritance? If God is reclaiming the world through God's mission of love and it's reclaiming the attitudes and actions of those of us who are heirs, what are you doing with your inheritance? Frederick Beekner writes, that in holy flirtation with the world, 
God sometimes drops a handkerchief. These handkerchiefs are called saints. These are ordinary people who take flowers on Monday to shut-ins. Ordinary people who encourage the discouraged, meet divorcing friends for coffee, read to children at lunch, volunteer at respite care, Look for ways to bless instead of criticize. The saints who wear work clothes and do laundry and cut grass and pray for you. Yesterday I attended and spoke at the 70th anniversary of my home church, First Baptist Doraville. And as you might imagine, it wasn't tied to All Saints Day, but it was a remembrance of the saints. The whole uh, two hours and 15 minutes of worship was a remembering of the saints. We remembered the five men who put their personal signature to purchase the land so there might be a Baptist witness endurable. We remembered the Sunday school teachers who had made a difference and an imprint on individual leaders. We remember the group of men who on Saturday mornings would fix the cars of the young single mothers in the church. We remembered when one of my uh, former colleagues in ministry spoke. He's older than I am, but he talked about when he was a seminary student, a man in that church had him come home one weekend that he was home, come over to his modest little house, and the man gave him a check to help him with his tuition in seminary. The day was full of things that matter and endure, mentors and hugs and gratitude and tears and saints. When I read the list of our members who died in the last year, as I said, some of you smiled at the memory of some of those names, but let's just go ahead and call them what the Bible calls them. They were saints too. The roll call of the saints brought back warm, good memories of the people who loved us and lived with us and ate with us and laughed with us and prayed with us. But the ones who had the greatest impact were the ones who knew what to do with their inheritance. They gave it all away. They were the ones who were the answer to Paul's prayer so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened you may know what is the hope to, what, to which he has called you. They knew their purpose, they claimed their inheritance, and then they gave it all away. And they're the people who continue to inspire me. Consider this. We're less than 15 years away from our 100th anniversary celebration of the merged Second Ponstelian Baptist Church. When we gather back for that reunion, what will people say that you did with your inheritance? What will they stand up and say you did to make a difference in the life of somebody else. 
There's a story about a little boy who attended a church that had beautiful stained glass windows, and in four of the stained glass windows, they had depictions of the gospel writers, St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. One day at Sunday school, the teacher asked the class, what is a saint? The little boy said, a saint is a person the light shines through. That's not bad at all, is it? If you've inherited and you have, let the light shine through you. Ordinary lives that have been claimed by extraordinary grace are enough to make a real difference in the world. So claim what is yours and be the light the world needs. But go now out into this broken world and claim your inheritance. Be for the people who are hurting what you need to be for them. And go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.